Welcome, ladies and divorce professionals. You are listening to the Divorce for Wealthy Women podcast, where we dive into complex and sometimes taboo topics relating to divorce and women. Specifically, we often discuss how affluent women can maintain their lifestyles during and post-divorce. Join me as we talk to the most sought after divorce professionals across the globe and share powerful tips that you can take along with you no matter where you are in your journey. I'm excited a lot, but it's so hard not to be when you get to be in a room with someone so intelligent, educated, and has such a vast experience in the divorce world and who's so well-known within the community, how can I not get excited? So our next guest is here to talk about everything divorce within mediation, collaboration, why maybe you shouldn't do litigation, and why you shouldn't let judges make your own decisions, and what's the purpose of a post-nuptial agreement, and what is positive psychology within divorce? Andrea Vaca is here today from the one and only Manhattan, New York. And she's here to talk about all of this. So sit back or go on your walk or listen in the car and enjoy this next episode. Ooh, I'm so excited to have Andrea on today. Andrea, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hi, Olivia. So great to be here. So I'm a collaborative divorce attorney and mediator. I've been practicing law about 30 years now. I'm in Manhattan in New York City. Our firm is exclusively a firm that only works with couples who want to stay out of court. We help them through collaborative divorce mediation and negotiation. And the whole goal is to help couples come to agreements that really speak to what's important to each of them and do what's best for their children so they can move on and have the best life they can possibly have on the other side of their marriage. Well, and I know someone who works in the divorce field, I don't get the opportunity to hear attorneys say that they're exclusively in the collaborative and mediation space often, especially in Manhattan. So I love hearing that. Let's expand on that. What is your definition of collaborative divorce and what is the importance behind that? Well, collaborative divorce, a lot of people can say, I'm collaborative, I work collaboratively, but the collaborative divorce process is a formal process that requires training and The professionals who are members of the collaborative divorce community have been trained in mediation and collaborative divorce. And so a collaborative divorce is a divorce where the couple each has their own attorneys who are agreeing with their attorneys in an agreement. We call it a participation agreement, not to litigate. We will never go to court with you. We will be honest. We will be transparent. We will not negotiate under duress. We will use other team members, other professionals who are collaboratively trained, such as a mental health professional who to help with the, we call them divorce coaches or family specialists. And that will help the couple work on out parenting plans, work with communication issues, help balance the any power imbalances emotionally and communication wise, so that they can be their best selves when they're making decisions, legal decisions and financial decisions. And we have financial professionals who are also on the team collaboratively trained to handle all the financial issues, to gather all the information, create the reports, do the modeling, make sure the proposals can work financially. So it's a 
team approach that where the legal, emotional, and financial issues are all being addressed in one team, in one process, and we're all working together under the same participation agreement. And uh, basically, that is the collaborative process. So, yeah. I love hearing that. And if you can't tell, I'm a big believer in collaborative and mediation versus going the litigation route and going to court if the family can do that. And I would love for you to share some of the benefits that can be resolved during mediation for wealthy clients and during collaborative approaches as well. Is there any benefits you can mention today? There's so many benefits. I mean, mediation is a wonderful process as well. And it's wonderful if both parties are very comfortable advocating for themselves, because typically, at least in New York, the attorneys are not going to be in the room with them. Uh, you're, you, you should have an attorney off to the side and you consult with called a consulting attorney, but you'll be in the room alone with your mediator or the Zoom room as it may be. And you're making decisions about everything from all the financial issues, all child related issues, child support, alimony, spousal support, how to divide property, how to divide everything now and how to deal with things in the future. I mean, everything you need for your separation agreement will be agreed upon in mediation. So you have to be willing, ready, and able to come to the table, make decisions, say yes or no, keep moving forward. Sometimes though, you need an attorney by your side. And that's where the collaborative process is good because sometimes you need a financial professional there to really give some advice. You need your attorneys there to help you find your voice, say what you need, help you advocate for yourself or advocate for you, but not in an adversarial way. Like collaborative lawyers are not going to be adversarial. You're going to be very cooperative, but I represent my client and the other spouse has their attorney. So we have very clear roles, but you will resolve every issue that would be needs to be resolved for you to move on from your marriage. All those financial and child related issues, property issues, but we can be a lot more creative in mediation and collaborative than you can be in court. Judges have very limited bandwidth. They have very little time. They can't be creative. (laughs) You know, judges look to the past. (laughs) They just, they, it's just, they have to like split the baby. Like, and so there's one baby, you split it. But we can be very creative. And the reason is we're focusing on what's important to each person. I just had a conversation last night. One of my favorite parts of my job is having a conversation with my client before the collaborative meeting where we're going to talk about what's most important to each party so that we can find solutions that work for both parties. We're not talking about positional decision-making. We're not drawing lines in the sand and saying, I must have this asset or I will never let you see the kids more than this often. So I really get to dig in with my client and say, what's important to you about money? What does financial security mean to you? What's important to you? You say you want the children on these days. Why? You know, what is important? We really talked about like quality of time versus quantity of time with the children and what her husband might be thinking. And so we're prepared to go into this meeting next week to really talk about why some of her requests are being made. And he'll be doing the same. His attorney will prepare him the same way. And I never did that with my litigation clients. I used to litigate. But back then, it was more like, what do you want? What does the law say about why you should have it? And you will make some arguments about why, but really it was about what does the law say and what should be done rather than why should it be done? Oh, gosh, that's the epitome of what I love about your work. And you've mentioned something in the past, and and I'm going to share it with the audience today, is 
You've said contrary to widespread expectations, having a high net worth does not necessarily subject you to high conflict divorce. And so you've said that you help many, many couples with considerable assets resolve differences and reach divorce agreements out of court, keeping the entire process civil and private. I love, love, love that. And that story you just shared with your clients, it's just, you're getting to what's important to them. And hey, why do you want that extra time? Or maybe why do you need that day versus let's talk about the quality of time with children. So I do want to then go into another question, which is I recently finished some courses on becoming a psychology or financial planning specialist. So it goes into the behavioral and the behavioral finance and neuroeconomic world. And can Mm. you tell us some of your thoughts on positive psychology and how it relates to divorce? I know that this is a fascinating topic for you. It is. Yeah, I studied uh, positive psychology for a year and got a certificate. And now I'm working towards becoming a positive psychology coach. So I'm taking classes in that. And sooner than later, I will be officially a coach. But I use these skills all the time. So what positive psychology is, is basically the science of happiness or how humans flourish. So traditional psychology focuses on what's not working and how to make it better and how to overcome things and so that you can move into a place where you want to be. And a lot of times it's looking at the past. Positive psychology looks at what is working well and tries to build on that. Instead of trying to build on, fix what's not working, it looks at what is working well. Positive psychology looks at how people can change and grow and become more resilient. And some of those tools focus on physical well-being, how exercise, meditation, gratitude, journaling, whatever it is that helps people flourish and be at their best. And so as a, couples are going through divorce or my clients are going through divorce, it's hard for them to remember, you know, that they can be resilient, that these um, challenges are growth opportunities and how to keep them more focused on where they want to go and where they want to be rather than what has happened in the past. The past is there. The dysfunctional relationship is there. Who they were and how they were in their marriage is always there. But how, let's look forward. Where do you want to be? And how can I help you get there? And how can other people like you or other kinds of coaches, you know, help them move to where they want to be? Exactly. I mean, there's so much emphasis on that. And it's brand new nowadays, the psychology that you're getting into and the coaching but I like hearing that it's happening and there's people who've been in the industry for 30, 40 years like yourself who are getting into the right ways of doing the future. So this is exciting to hear about. And I have two more questions for you. One of them is going to be quite a ballpark random. And I'm wondering, it's going to be my favorite question though. And I get this asked a lot. So I'm going to ask you, (laughs) should women file quickly or Should they figure out their needs and finances without him knowing first and then file? What's your (laughs) thoughts? (laughs) Definitely wait to file if you can. And I'll say why maybe you don't want to wait. But generally, I want my clients to understand the financial picture. They probably understand the emotional picture. They probably understand where their kids are, but maybe they need a little guidance on that too, like what's best for their children. 
but you want to do your research. You want to make sure you, as much as possible, you can understand what you own, what you owe, where the money is coming in, where the income sources is the money coming from somebody going to work? Is the money coming from trust? Is it coming from family gifts? Like where is the money flowing in from? Who has rights to that money? And what are you spending? You know, what does it cost to maintain this life? If possible, try to get some of this information or know where you can find it. Then we do something at my firm called pre-divorce legal guidance. And what this is, is clients come to us and it's usually women who come to us when they've made the decision to divorce, but they haven't told their spouse yet, or they've told their spouse a million times and he or she is not believing them. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> nothing has happened, <laughs> um, but they're ready. They're emotionally ready, but they're not practically ready, logistically ready. And that's what we help with. So we would, inter- if they don't have a financial professional, I would introduce them to you or someone like you who can help them get clear on all of the financial situation. Where are they? Let's put a pin in where you are now so you understand that. Let's find out what timing looks like, what process would look like, right? Let's talk about mediation and collaborative. What would work best for you and your spouse, given who you are? So, and then I would help them prepare on how to tell their spouse about the divorce and how, and talk about the process and give feedback and advice as they're having these small conversations, maybe start parenting arrangement while you're still living together, make some suggestions on how to share holidays, like start separating while you're together. So you can start pulling away a little bit before you make the big jump or whatever the client needs. Getting some advice on how to kind of ease yourself out of it will be, I think, make you feel much more secure and stable when you finally say, I'm ready to make this decision and you tell your spouse. So that was a long answer to should you wait or should you file right away? However, let's talk about a woman who owns a business and this business is doing well and the business is growing and she wants to keep this business and keep as much equity wants this business to continue growing and providing income for herself or her family. That's an active asset. I'm here in New York where we have equitable distribution laws, but that's an active asset that maybe you do want to file for divorce sooner or later. Because if the value of this asset is $10 million now, you think it could be $15 million. If you wait, that's a lot of money. Like there's some deals coming down or something is happening in the business that will, maybe that you're going to be selling it soon. So maybe you do want to file for divorce sooner so that there's a cutoff date. That asset is going to be valued as of the day you file. So that's something else that you should talk to your attorney about and get some advice on. Very, very helpful for everyone listening, I'm sure. I want to also switch gears again to my last question, which I know your firm is one of the most sought after in New York City to helping couples with prenups and postnups. And I'd like to ask you, what does a typical meeting look like for postnuptial agreements? And maybe can you tell us what a postnup is for those who are unfamiliar? And also another part of that question is, can postnups hurt a marriage at all? Okay. Interesting. Can it hurt a marriage? <laughs> um, so, okay, let's talk about what a postnup is. A postnuptial agreement is an agreement that you and your spouse will sign during the marriage. And it sets terms for your finances or behavior or something that you need an agreement on so that you can live more peacefully or securely. Postnuptial agreements, 
usually are signed for a couple of different reasons. One is that there's been some type of betrayal. It could be financial betrayal, physical betrayal, emotional betrayal, but the betrayed spouse agrees to give the betraying spouse more time. Okay, I'll work on this marriage with you, but we'll go to therapy or I'll agree to pay off those debts you incurred or whatever it might be, but you're going to have to give me something. You're going to need to give me some type of security that if it doesn't work out and I will give it my best, we're not divorcing now, we're going to give it a try. But if it doesn't work out, you will leave the home on this day, or you will give me these assets, or you will pay me this amount of spousal support, or you will not ask me for spousal support, or whatever the case may be. So it's, so betrayal is often a very big impetus for asking for a post-nup. It gives the marriage more time, but it gives both parties some security as to what will happen if the marriage ends. It's also used if somebody just inherited a lot of money or came into some money that isn't marital, but wants to be able to use it to benefit the family or the marriage. So I just inherited $2 million and I want to be able to put all that money into the new home and put my wife's or husband's name on it, on the title, but I want to make sure I get that $2 million back or I want to make sure I get $2 million back plus the increase in value. So to make that really clear, a postnuptial agreement is needed so that if the marriage ends, it's very clear what you agreed to about that money that was used to benefit the marriage or benefit the family. So that's when postnups are usually used. They have to be negotiated. Judges cannot issue postnuptial <laughs> agreements. So I always recommend negotiating them in a non-adversarial way, if possible. We use the collaborative process. I've used mediation to negotiate postnups because, again, it's about what's important to each of you. And how can we find an agreement that works for you? If the goal is to stay married, then they both have some skin in the game and they want to get this done. You know, let's figure out how to do that. I hate when postnups are negotiated as if they're adversarial because usually they're becoming a divorce. But you're guaranteed it'll probably become a divorce. So I don't think it can hurt a marriage, but sometimes it shines a light on the weakness of a marriage. And sometimes it does make it clear that the marriage needs to end. So I don't think it hurts it, but it makes the problems rise to the top and then they can't be avoided anymore. And then probably that couple is then, before they even sign a post-nup, they're moving to a divorce process. But they've communicated, so it has been helpful and they're not prolonging it for years. So let's use that positive psychology in this. And I, <laughs> I like what you just stated. And is there anything else you'd like to add for our listeners today at the very end here? Well, I just always advise that if you are considering divorce, even if you've hired a lawyer at this point, the court should be your last resort. Don't think about divorce as if you have to litigate or that's a given or you're going to have to have a judge tell you what to do. Even if you have a high conflict marriage, if you have the right team of professionals around you who are used to working with high conflict couples, we know how to help bring down the temperature and not inflame the tension in between you. That's what traditional lawyers do. They do it really well. If you can imagine a husband and wife or spouses being a foot apart, they come into the gap between them as one foot. Traditional litigation attorneys, and I was one, will bring up all the reasons you shouldn't trust the other person, all the things you did wrong, will ask you to rehash everything bad that ever happened in your marriage. And now you're three feet apart. There's a bigger gap between you. Collaborative divorce attorneys, mediators, they're going to take that one foot gap 
and slowly bring you together. And they're going to move you until you're in a place where you can come to an agreement. Try that first. Try and see if you and your spouse can get on the same page. And if you can do it with the kids, great. Make progress on the kids. If you can do it on finances, but the kids are the issue, make progress on the finances. Go for the strengths, like positive psychology talks about. Focus on what you do well and try to make progress there. And then maybe that will help build. And you can see that you can settle all the issues on your own and have that creative resolution, private process. No one's ever going to be talking about your divorce. No one's going to know what happened. And if you have all, you know, a high net worth or wealthy family, ultra net wealthy family, people love to relish in misery <laughs> of, of <laughs> others. So you just keep yourself completely out of that by staying out of court. I really love your positivity here, as well as I have to say, Andrea, you've been so honest. And that is, you're so honest about the past and the future and how practices work. And that is just, I want to really say thank you for being on today. Thank you. It was great talking with you about this. Thank you for joining another episode with me, your host, Olivia Summerhill. Until the next episode, visit www.summerhillfirm.com for a discreet way to find helpful resources that can help bring you clarity to your divorce journey.